Can you hear me? Is that working? If I get over here, am I going to get feedback too? Got to get all the technology ironed out. I want to I want to echo Jerry's comments about about Bruce and our heart goes out to him for the loss of of his father. I, I lost my father about three years ago, and that's probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through uh, in my life. And and you know when I first heard about it, and I knew that that Bruce's dad was in his nineties, and I thought, oh well, you know he's in his nineties, but I don't, I don't think it matters. It, that separation when when you lose someone you love that much, it just really hurts. And, uh, make sure you remember that family. And I know a lot of other people are going through that or have been through something like that similar. But remember Bruce in, in your prayers. Uh, we have Stream Franklin coming up. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, getting to hear really great speakers. And I used to go to these things and then I'd come back and I'd think, man, what would it be like to have a preacher like that? And now we've got that, you know, with, with Bruce. It's such a, it's such an awesome blessing. If, if you're here as a visitor today, Somebody brought you. Their heart probably sank when they found out Bruce wasn't wasn't talking. <laughs> you've you've got to come back. You know, let, give them a rain check. Uh, come back and uh, and hear the real thing because you'll you'll get something really practical, something great that you can use. Well, my my lesson today on developing a, a heartfelt appreciation of grace. Uh, if if this were a, a calculus class. This would be, I'd be coming in here and teaching you one plus one. You know, so we're, we're going to get very basic here, very, very foundational. Um, and I was talking about this topic, you know, with, with my kids this morning. This is a true story. I was telling uh, Brooke and Haley that, hey, we're going to, you know, this is what I'm going to be talking about. You guys want to come and listen or do you want to go to children's church? And they were like, well, we, uh, you know, they, they kind of, they really were waffling. I didn't know if they wanted to come hear me or go to children's church. And, and I said, I promise it'll be unless I faint, it'll be good. And 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 Haley said, uh, and this is, this is true. Haley said, if well, if, if you faint, can we go to children's church? <laughs> so, and I, I told my class that this morning, and I think they thought I was kidding. And then as I'm walking over here, Brooke comes up, can we go to children's church? They're making something with pine cones. <laughs> so, yes, uh, on on one hand, it's encouraging to know that the children's church is so well loved, and maybe a little discouraging on my end for other reasons, but. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get over it. I have a little little story for you. You, you can go to the next slide, too, by the way. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about what grace is, and and best best way for me to tell you, I'm not gonna give you a definition. I'm I'm gonna give you a a Bible scripture in in, in a sen- in a second uh, that'll pretty much wrap it up because I think we all kind of know what grace is. It's kind of hard to wrap your brain around it in a way, but we have a we have a pretty good idea. But I, I heard a story of a a guy who was a preacher and he was on a at a party on a yacht and he went and he didn't want to talk about what he did for a living you know while he was at this party because you know usually when people found out he was a preacher in a in a setting like this they kind of treat him like a leper you know they didn't want to really be around him he just wanted to kind of be able to be himself make some relationships uh you know and go from there so he kind of got through the whole night without people finding out what he did for a living uh, not, not saying that was a, a, a great, great way for him to be, but that was, uh, that was where he was at that time. And he's getting off the boat finally. He's getting ready. He's done. The party's about over. He's leaving and he's looking and somebody yells down and said, Hey, I never found out. What do you do for a living? And he said, Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minister of God. I'm a preacher. And, and he said, Well, what, what does that mean anyway? What, what does it even mean to be a Christian? And he's looking up and, and, and it's not just that one guy, but it's just this row on the boat of a whole bunch of people. 
you know, that are looking, looking down, waiting for him to give this answer. And he figures, you know, by the pina colada meter, he probably has a, you know, about a minute to come up with something to, to tell him. And, and he said, if I were to spell religion, it would be D-O. It's about what people do. If I were to spell Christianity, it would be D-O-N-E. It's about what, what has been done for us. It's about what Jesus has done. And I think that really, really captures grace. That's what grace is about. Uh, have a, have a scripture here that I think maybe, oh good, it's up there. I don't have to look it up. This is, uh, may, maybe better than, uh, than John 3.16 when it comes to the gospel in, in just a combined form. I mean, this is the mini gospel right here. This is grace. This is my definition of grace. Listen to this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's huge, isn't it? It's a little bit of a tongue twister the way it, the way it comes out there, but it's, uh, it's just beautiful. Jesus had no sin at all. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So he took on all of our sin. We don't deserve it for anything. We did nothing to earn it. We do nothing to earn it. That's what, that's what grace is. It is a totally free gift. Now, I want to make sure that we don't mistake grace for a water, a watered down form of legalism. I think, uh, somewhere along the line in my pilgrimage, you know, growing up in Christianity, there was this idea of, you know, here's, here's what we do as Christians. And then at some point, grace got to be kind of in vogue. And it was kind of like, well, here's, here's what grace is. You know, grace, now, now we used to have to do this, 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 and this. Well, now we don't have to do so much anymore. Or you can still do some of this stuff, but it's okay because you have grace. Well, that's not grace. That's uh, that's watered-down legalism. Grace leads you to to be holy, to try to live to a, to this high standard of God. Uh, but grace is free at the same time. We do nothing. Nothing that we do, none of the great things that we think we can do can can lead to grace. So this idea of developing a heartfelt appreciation for this grace it's kind of what I want to go through. So what does it mean to have a heartfelt appreciation of grace? And I give a couple of definitions here. And I gave you one of these handy outlines, too, if you, if you have one you want, to, you want to fill out. So uh, first one is experiencing. So that's your first blank there to, to fill in. Experiencing for forgiveness, not just intellectually understanding it. That's the first thing I say that it means to have a heartfelt appreciation of grace, to actually experience forgiveness, not just intellectually understanding it. And this is a tough one, I think, for, for us. And I think, you know, a lot of us that have grown up going to church, been around, especially you, you hear a story of someone who, uh, you know, has been through something tremendous. Maybe they were a drug addict, something along those lines, and they turn to God and their life is so transformed and they really have that deep seated appreciation. You know, the harder lesson may be for the rest of us to to somehow grasp that same thing. We've got to, we've got to have the same thing. So experiencing forgiveness, not just intellectually understanding it. It's not an intellectual process. You should you should have a feeling. Developing an emotional appreciation of grace, whether you are a sinner or a sinner. Does that make sense? You know that's a. Uh, Kind of, kind of building on the same thing. So, and I think a lot of times we, we, we have this idea, you know, that, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I, I go to church, I tithe, I try to be decent, I try to avoid certain things. Uh, but I know I'm a sinner. I know, I know I need God's grace. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm a lowercase sinner. 
you know, but some other people, this other guy over here, he's a sinner. He really needs grace. Uh, somehow we have to tap into the confessionary spirit of the sinner, even if we only think we're a sinner, because in God's eyes, we're, we would all be just filthy, nasty, worthless if it were not for grace, if it were not for the fact that he reached way down, picked us up, cleaned us up with the blood of his son, who became sin for us. So why is it important to embrace grace with our hearts and not just with our intellect? I've hidden myself some water over here. Bruce always had a handy stand, but it's not here. First one is it's at the core of everything we do as Christians, including Christmas. Think about Christmas. I love Christmas. I get all caught up in the trappings of of lights, and, and you know, I went to Bellingrath not too long ago for, for all of that. Courtney had to go again with the team. She had a good time. Uh, but I love all that stuff. I love the gift giving and everything. We always hear, well, Christmas is the reason for the season, and, and hopefully as Christians, we really get that, and we really impart that in our kids. And It's not all just about the commercialism and the fun, which all that stuff is great, but, but the, whole, the whole thing, if we really understand grace, we really understand what's been done for us, you know, we, we, we can identify a little bit with the, with the shepherds in the field and, and the excitement they had and this understanding of what it was going to mean to have a Messiah. You know, why that was so important, why they would chase that, that, that star. And it, it's not just Christmas. Christmas is one example that comes along this time of year, but this is really, this is where the rubber meets the road. This having a real appreciation of grace. Uh, next thing here I said, it affects our worship. Uh, the, Lord's Supper, singing, giving. Uh, the Lord's Supper, whenever I'm leading the Lord's Supper here, what, what, I'm really preaching to myself during that time. I'm trying to, to kind of, I have a hard time with the Lord's Supper a lot of times. I'll, I'll keep in my focus, uh, and really mustering up the, the real, the real feeling of, uh, of what's been done for me, of the cross. And that's what I, I try to do when, you know, when I lead it, try to help people to, to kind of, kind of capture that a little bit when they're, when they're going up. But if you've got that, if you've got that emotional understanding of what's been done for you, that is a m- extremely meaningful time. And that may be a good litmus test for you is, is how meaningful that time is, you know, and, and you're singing, you know, you just kind of mutter through the songs or, or are you really feeling something? You know, if you understand what's been done for you, you're, you're, you're really going to be feeling something during, during that time. Uh, John four twenty three twenty four. This is this is what was said to the woman at the well. This is a little bit, a little little bit long, and you'll have heard it before. But Jesus told her, "A time is coming, and has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth." I think uh, again, different times in my in my pilgrimage, I've heard, I've actually heard this scripture used to to back up our need to to do things the right way. In church, I, I guess we were focusing on the truth part of spirit and truth, you know, and, and so uh, we would use this to to back up the idea that we should have, uh, you know, a certain number of songs, maybe a, a sermon with you know three points and a poem, uh, and, and 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 this sort of thing, and everything should be done just just right, but. Really, the, the point here is just the opposite. The point here was, you know, in the past, it was all about legalism. It was, a, it was about rigidity. You had to, 
worship in a certain place. You had God in the Ark of the Covenant, you know, but a time was coming when everyone's going to be able to worship with their hearts from wherever they are. That was the point that was being made that he was making to the woman at the well. Hey, this time is coming when you're not going to have to go worship me on this mountain or that mountain. You're going to worship me, you know, wherever you are with your heart. And, and, and that's what God's looking for. He's looking for someone to worship in spirit and truth because he is spirit. He wants you to worship in spirit. So this idea of, uh, of having, of having some emotion in your worship, of having an emotional response to grace, uh, is not, is not, some silly concept. Uh, this, this is this is what this is what God seeks, and and you could. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart. There's something to that, and I know love isn't just emotion, but there's there's something to love God with all your heart that you can't explain away the emotional component. It's very important. Also, it affects our ability to show mercy. You know, if, if you've ever made a mistake at work, and then a coworker makes the same mistake a little while longer. A lot easier for you to have mercy on them, right? If you feel like, well, yeah, I've been there, I did that. Hey, it's all right. Uh, it really, if you really appreciate what's been done for you, you're going to be able to show mercy to that person that offends you. Uh, if you're another witness test, maybe if you're easily offended, you know, at work, somebody says something, you get a little bowed up, you get a little upset. Maybe you need to get in touch a little bit with what's been done for you, you know, or understand, you know, just how much you've been forgiven for, and you're going to be more likely to be able to forgive other people. Affects our desire to reach the loss. Definitely, it's going to have a big impact. That Thanksgiving, everything, everything flows out. Everything that we do flows out of this idea that we know what's been done for us. This is just huge. It's just rubber meets the road. It's one plus one. So if if you skipped along to the higher order calculus and you've kind of left this one behind, you know, come back to it. Come back and get this part. Of, of understanding what's been done for you in a, in a, in a, in a real emotional sense. I want to read real quick, 1 Corinthians, not on your outline, so you don't have to skip, you don't have to go crazy looking for it back there. But, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and I threw this out in, in my class this morning, and it just seems to really, to really stick right here. This is so old school, thumbing through the, the book, right? A lot of you guys are up here with your, you got your little notebooks up here. 15, 9, 9 through 10. This is Paul. He says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And I, I love that idea of grace when you get it. Hey, I was killing Christians, but now look, I am what I am only because of grace. But that grace was not without effect. You know, it, it's what leads us to do good things. You don't do good things just for the sake of doing good things. You do good things because you understand the gospel. You understand what's been done for you. And hopefully that'll be something that, you know, that we'll be imparting to our kids. It's not just, or here are the rules. This is why you have to behave like this when you're on a date. It's going to be this real love that you have, this emotional love you have for God and this understanding of what's been done for you. And that'll flow out and affect how you live your life. That, that's why it's so important to understand this, this emotional, this idea of having an emotional love and appreciation for what's been done for us. All right. The next slide here, I say uh, we're all wired differently emotionally. 
And you get that first part. I really, I don't want to just gloss over that. We're all wired differently emotionally. I don't want to be misunderstood here. Uh, if you've ever watched, you know, been maybe flipping channels and they have one of these gray CDs that they're selling, or maybe you're, uh, been in here before and you see people get very demonstrative, emotional with their worship and you think to yourself, I don't feel it quite that much. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't really feel moved to cry. It's not what I'm talking about. You know, that's great. If, if you're there, if you've got that kind and you're wired emotionally that way, for me, the time my dad died was probably the only time I've cried in the last 20 years. I'm not an emotional person. I'm not a, I'm not a crier. And really, I'm not, I'm not talking about manufacturing some kind of emotion here. It's not, not what, not what the point is at all. It's just having a feeling a real feeling, a real understanding that's beyond intellect for what's been done for you. That's all we're that's all we're talking about here. And and this is probably the most pointed comment I make this whole this whole lesson, but I, I did put up there. But failing to have some emotional understanding of our ongoing need for forgiveness and a heartfelt appreciation of grace is a serious problem. And I really believe that with all my heart. If you don't have some emotional understanding of your need for grace and, and just oh, thank you, God, for doing that for me. I didn't deserve it. You know, I'm, I'm in awe of your power and what you've done for me. Uh, if you don't have some of that, something's wrong and you've got, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to capture that somehow. It doesn't mean you're, you're a bad person or a bad Christian. It just means that you've, you've, you've got something to go back and look into because that is the heart of the matter. That's the crux to the matter. You know, and, and I think that's a very common thing with Christians. We're baptized. We're, we're full of all of, all of these feelings and they kind of, it, it can kind of, kind of drain away. You get, sometimes it's, you get caught up doing good things, being busy with works, whatever, and somewhere along the line, you forget why you're doing it. And if you get back to the beginning and let that grace be what motivates you, you're going to do even more and your relationship's going to be better. And you're not going to have this guilt that, 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 you know, goes along with, uh, with doing, doing, with trying to work for your salvation. All right, I want to just to hammer all this home. I have a couple of Jesus stories to to read you, and these are both from the from the book of Luke. And this is the good stuff here. Uh, I don't I don't feel real comfortable throwing stuff out without without scripture, but this stuff here, I think I could just read and shut up. This is this is just really rich, and it says everything I just said for me. First one is the story of, of Jesus anointed by a sinful woman, which is probably m the most meaningful story. The, the thing I, I just go to over and over. I just love this this passage. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And by the way, if you're if you're a visitor, if you're not used to this kind of thing, the Pharisee was just a, a really religious guy. Really, a good good way to put it. These were people that really knew their Bible. And really tried to do well, you know, but they tended to be on, in odds with Jesus because they were very religious and, and he was really trying to teach this idea of a relationship to God that went beyond just religion. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them which today sounds really weird. Culturally, it would have been significant then that, you know, that, that she was showing him honor, showing him thanks, and, and, and realizing 
that she was in the presence of, of greatness. So she's, she's a sinful woman. Uh, most, most people believe she was, she was a prostitute, something along those lines. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. It's back to that uppercase sinner, lowercase sinner thing. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, You see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. This woman from the time I entered does not stop kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Get this part. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Read that one more time. She loved much. He who has been forgiven little loves little. So there's there's two lessons here. There's a lesson for you that identify with the woman, that, that tend to live with, with some guilt that, you know, I've done things in my past or I do things regularly that I know God frowns on and, and you're a little bit racked with guilt. Uh, you know, the lesson there is that you're you're almost in this upside down kingdom, you're kind of where God wants you. You know, if if you're coming to him and say, I, I I need your forgiveness and and I love you. I think the harder lesson is for the rest of us, for the lowercase sinners. Somehow, according to Jesus here, because he says he she who loved she she loved much, but he who's been forgiven little loves little. Somehow we have to capture her confessionary spirit. We have to realize, you know, that we are no different, that we are filthy sinners in need of forgiveness. Does that make sense? And I don't mean that in a in an ugly browbeat yourself that oh I'm a, I'm rotten I'm a terrible person have to, I'm just talking about just realizing with common sense that uh, God is here I'm here and there was no way to bridge the gap without that grace without the love of Jesus and I needed it just as much you know as the prostitute in the story or, or anyone else and one one more story that's ex- a little shorter and it's exactly the same really but. Uh, Another another uh, another good one to hammer this point. And those of you that read a lot of New Testament know I could have I could have pulled out just about anything. This is a there's a million of these in here with Jesus and the Pharisees. But to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. You know, if we just stop here and didn't read on, it almost sounds like that's going to be the hero of the story there. You know, and, and I know we're, we're used to reading this thinking, oh, you know, what a haughty guy, you know, what an arrogant jerk to come up and say, oh, thanks God that I'm not like these other sinners. But, but look at what he does here. He lists all the things that he does not do, you know, and he fasts twice a week. Any of you fast twice a week? Gives a tenth of all he gets. You know, some do, some don't. That's, but that's a big chunk. That's a lot of money. I don't care how rich you are. It gets harder when you get more money. So he's, he's got it going on kind of, right? He's a religious guy. 
But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, somehow we have to capture that confessionary spirit of that of that tax collector. You know, even even when we're feeling pretty pretty good about ourselves, we have to understand what grace was done. And and I like what I put here for your outline. The the tax collector asked for mercy and he got it. The Pharisee asked for nothing and he got it. So how to develop a richer appreciation for grace? I wrap up here. What can you take with you? What can you do practically to to be to be better at this? And and I hope this has made sense because I think intellectually we get it. And, and sometimes we come and we we really we try to muster up this sense of this emotional sense of uh, you know of, of Thanksgiving if we don't have it have it naturally. Uh, but I think there 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 are a few things we can do to to develop it. The first thing is praise. Spend time in praise. And praise is a little different from Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is really thanking God for what He's given you. Praise, very similar, but it's more thanking God for who He is. And, and you just, I heard a, I heard a guy say one time, you know, what he tried to do is, is just write down a list of, of, of all the characteristics of God. You know, holy, beautiful, you know, wonderful, forgiving, praiseworthy. Just came up with a, with a, with a whole list, everything he could. You know what happens when you start to do that sort of thing and when you pray this way? Instead of just starting with asking for stuff, I think that's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name. That should be the first thing you say. When you do this, you start to get a feeling for who God is. And this next part, confession, gives you a feeling for who you are. Because even if you're a lowercase sinner, if you get yourself in a situation like I did uh, not too long ago where a, a brother pulled me aside and said, hey man, uh, great, I've been looking for a... You know, I enjoyed your class. I've been looking for a brother that I can kind of open up to because I, I need to, I need to be confessing my sins regularly, I feel like. And, and I was like, oh yeah, great, go on. And he started, it was like, wow, well, we're going to go there. That was a little different from a confessing that, uh, well, when I got up for my five o'clock, uh, Bible study this morning, I didn't really go as long as I should have. It wasn't that kind of confession. I mean, it was like, it was like these are things that, that I knew I had in my life. You know, on some level, and was I going to turn around and confess these things too to this guy? And and I did. And and I think we're all like that. Even the lowercase sinners, we've got these things. We've got this garbage in our heart that needs to come out from time to time that we need to deal with. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with another person, but at least be honest with yourself. You know. So with praise, confession, you put those two together. You know who God is. You know who you are. And that's really going to help you develop that, that emotional understanding of what's been done for you, how, what God has done for you. And that's going to drive you to do the right things with your life and, and take care of other people. And, and it's going to rid you, hopefully, of that guilt that you realize that, hey, some of you are, some of you sitting here right now, I'm sure, feel guilt. You know, and it's one thing to be convicted of sin. That's fine. But it's not God's intent that you walk around feeling weighed down and guilty. It's God's, God's intent that you be free, like John talked about in his Lord's Supper. You are free. God has set you free. You know, and you'll be happy. You won't be able to help but be happy and excited about that if, if you realize that. And, and you're going to go and do great things for the kingdom, and you're going to not be able to help but share that. I'm going to have Josh Harrison come up here.
and I'm going to let him lead a prayer. And I'd like he's going to give you guys some time to to mull over, think about what we've been talking about before before he starts. And after his prayer, he's going to he's going going to lead an invitation as well. So Josh, you can come on up, and uh, thank I thank you for your time.